Part 7 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Wealth of Nations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Part 7 of Chapter 11 of Book 1 of The Rent of Land. Third Sort the third and last sort of rude produce of which the price naturally rises in the progress of improvement is that in which the efficacy of human industry in augmenting the quantity is either limited or uncertain though the real price of this sort of rude produce therefore naturally tends to rise in the progress of improvement yet according as different accidents happen to render the efforts of human industry more or less successful in augmenting the quantity it may happen sometimes even to fall sometimes to continue the same in very different periods of improvement and sometimes to rise more or less in the same period there are some sorts of rude produce which nature has rendered a kind of appendages to other sorts so that the quantity of the one which any country can afford is necessarily limited by that of the other the quantity of wool or of raw hides for example which any country can afford is necessarily limited by the number of great and small cattle that are kept in it the state of its improvement and the nature of its agriculture again necessarily determine this number the same causes which in the progress of improvement gradually raise the price of butcher's meat should have the same effect it may be thought upon the prices of wool and raw hides and raise them too nearly in the same proportion it probably would be so if in the rude beginnings of improvement the market for the latter commodities was confined within as narrow bounds as that for the former but the extent of their respective markets is commonly extremely different the market for butcher's meat is almost everywhere confined to the country which produces it ireland and some part of british america indeed carry on a considerable trade in salt provisions but they are i believe the only countries in the commercial world which do so or which export to other countries any considerable part of their butcher's meat the market for wool and raw hides on the contrary is in the rude beginnings of improvement very seldom confined to the country which produces them they can easily be transported to distant countries wool without any preparation and raw hides with very little and as they are the materials of many manufactures the industry of other countries may occasion a demand for them though that of the country which produces them might not occasion any in countries ill cultivated and therefore but thinly inhabited the price of the wool and of the hide bears always a much greater proportion to that of the whole beast than in countries where improvement and population being further advanced there is more demand for butcher's meat mr hume observes that in the saxon times the fleece was estimated at two-fifths of the value of the whole sheep and that this was much above the proportion of its present estimation in some provinces of spain i have been assured the sheep is frequently killed merely for the sake of the fleece and the tallow the carcass is often left to rot upon the ground or to be devoured by beasts and birds of prey if this sometimes happens even in spain it happens almost constantly in chile at buenos aires and in many other parts of spanish america where the horned cattle are almost constantly killed merely for the sake of the hide and the tallow this too used to happen almost constantly in hispaniola while it was infested by the buccaneers and before the settlement improvement and populousness of the french plantations which now extend round the coast of almost the whole western half of the island had given some value to the cattle of the spaniards who still continued to possess not only the eastern part of the coast but the whole inland mountainous part of the country 
though in the progress of improvement and population the price of the whole beast necessarily rises yet the price of the carcass is likely to be much more affected by this rise than that of the wool and the hide the market for the carcass being in the rude state of society confined always to the country which produces it must necessarily be extended in proportion to the improvement and population of that country but the market for the wool and the hides even of a barbarous country often extending to the whole commercial world it can very seldom be enlarged in the same proportion the state of the whole commercial world can seldom be much affected by the improvement of any particular country and the market for such commodities may remain the same or very nearly the same after such improvements as before it should however in the natural course of things rather upon the whole be somewhat extended in consequence of them if the manufactures especially of which those commodities are the materials should ever come to flourish in the country the market though it might not be much enlarged would at least be brought much nearer to the place of growth than before and the price of those materials might at least be increased by what had usually been the expense of transporting them to distant countries though it might not rise therefore in the same proportion as that of butcher's meat it ought naturally to rise somewhat and ought certainly not to fall in england however notwithstanding the flourishing state of its woollen manufacture the price of english wool has fallen very considerably since the time of edward the third there are many authentic records which demonstrate that during the reign of that prince towards the middle of the fourteenth century or about thirteen thirty nine what was reckoned the moderate and reasonable price of the tod or twenty-eight pounds of english wool was not less than ten shillings of the money of those times containing at the rate of twenty pence the ounce six ounces of silver tower weight equal to about thirty shillings of our present money in the present times one and twenty shillings the tod may be reckoned a good price for very good english wool the money price of wool therefore in the time of edward the third was to its money price in the present times as ten to seven the superiority of its real price was still greater at the rate of six shillings and eight pence the quarter ten shillings was in those ancient times the price of twelve bushels of wheat at the rate of twenty-eight shillings the quarter one and twenty shillings is in the present times the price of six bushels only the proportion between the real price of ancient and modern times therefore is as twelve to six or as two to one in those ancient times a tod of wool would have purchased twice the quantity of subsistence which it will purchase at present and consequently twice the quantity of labor if the real recompense of labor had been the same in both periods this degradation both in the real and nominal value of wool could never have happened in consequence of the natural course of things it has accordingly been the effect of violence and artifice first of the absolute prohibition of exporting wool from england secondly of the permission of importing it from spain duty free thirdly of the prohibition of exporting it from ireland to another country but england in consequence of these regulations the market for english wool instead of being somewhat extended in consequence of the improvement of england has been confined to the home market where the wool of several other countries is allowed to come into competition with it and where that of ireland is forced into competition with it as the woollen manufacturers too of ireland are fully as much discouraged as is consistent with justice and fair dealing the irish can work up but a smaller part of their own wool at home and are therefore obliged to send a greater proportion of it to great britain the only market they are allowed i have not been able to find any such authentic records concerning the price of raw hides in ancient times 
wool was commonly paid as a subsidy to the king and its valuation in that subsidy ascertains at least in some degree what was its ordinary price but this seems not to have been the case with raw hides fleetwood however from an account in fourteen twenty five between the prior of burchester oxford and one of his canons gives us their price at least as it was stated upon that particular occasion namely five ox hides at twelve shillings five cow hides at seven shillings and threepence thirty-six sheepskins of two years old at nine shillings sixteen calfskins at two shillings in fourteen twenty five twelve shillings contained about the same quantity of silver as four and twenty shillings of our present money an ox hide therefore was in this account valued at the same quantity of silver as four shillings four-fifths of our present money its nominal price was a good deal lower than at present but at the rate of six shillings and eight pence the quarter twelve shillings would in those times have purchased fourteen bushels and four-fifths of a bushel of wheat which at three and sixpence the bushel would in the present times cost fifty-one shillings fourpence an ox-hide therefore would in those times have purchased as much corn as ten shillings and threepence would purchase at present its real value was equal to ten shillings and threepence of our present money in those ancient times when the cattle were half starved during the greater part of the winter we cannot suppose that they were of a very large size an ox-hide which weighs four stone of sixteen pounds of adder de poise is not in the present times reckoned a bad one and in those ancient times would probably have been reckoned a very good one but at half a crown the stone which at this moment february seventeen seventy three i understand to be the common price such a hide would at present cost only ten shillings though its nominal price therefore is higher in the present than it was in those ancient times its real price the real quantity of subsistence which it will purchase or command is rather somewhat lower the price of cowhides as stated in the above account is nearly in the common proportion to that of oxhides that of sheepskins is a good deal above it they had probably been sold with the wool that of calfskins on the contrary is greatly below it in countries where the price of cattle is very low the calves which are not intended to be reared in order to keep up the stock are generally killed very young as was the case in scotland twenty or thirty years ago it saves the milk which their price would not pay for their skins therefore are commonly good for little the price of raw hides is a good deal lower at present than it was a few years ago owing probably to the taking of the duty upon sealskins and to the allowing for a limited time the importation of raw hides from ireland and from the plantations duty-free which was done in seventeen sixty nine take the whole of the present century at an average their real price has probably been somewhat higher than it was in those ancient times the nature of the commodity renders it not quite so proper for being transported to distant markets as wool it suffers more by keeping a salted hide is reckoned inferior to a fresh one and sells for a lower price this circumstance must necessarily have some tendency to sink the price of raw hides produced in a country which does not manufacture them but is obliged to export them and comparatively to raise that of those produced in a country which does manufacture them it must have some tendency to sink their price in a barbarous and to raise it in an improved and manufacturing country it must have had some tendency therefore to sink it in ancient and to raise it in modern times our tanners besides have not been quite so successful as our clothiers in convincing the wisdom of the nation that the safety of the commonwealth depends upon the prosperity of their particular manufacture they have accordingly been much less favoured 
The exportation of raw hides has, indeed, been prohibited and declared a nuisance, but their importation from foreign countries has been subjected to a duty, and though this duty has been taken off from those of Ireland and the plantations, for the limited time of five years only, yet Ireland has not been confined to the market of Great Britain for the sale of its surplus hides, or of those which are not manufactured at home. The hides of common cattle have, but within these few years, been put among the enumerated commodities which the plantations can send nowhere but to the mother country. Neither has the commerce of Ireland been in this case oppressed hitherto, in order to support the manufactures of Great Britain. Whatever regulations tend to sink the price, either of wool or of raw hides, below what it naturally would be, must, in an improved and cultivated country, have some tendency to raise the price of butcher's meat. The price both of the great and small cattle, which are fed on improved and cultivated land, must be sufficient to pay the rent which the landlord and the profit which the farmer has reason to expect from improved and cultivated land. If it is not, they will soon cease to feed them. Whatever part of this price, therefore, is not paid by the wool and the hide, must be paid by the carcass. The less there is paid for the one, the more must be paid for the other. In what manner this price is to be divided upon the different parts of the beast is indifferent to the landlords and farmers, provided it is all paid to them. In an improved and cultivated country, therefore, their interest as landlords and farmers cannot be much affected by such regulations, though their interest as consumers may by the rise in the price of provisions. It would be quite otherwise, however, in an unimproved and uncultivated country, where the greater part of the lands could be applied to no other purpose but the feeding of cattle, and where the wool and the hide made the principal part of the value of those cattle. Their interest as landlords and farmers would in this case be very deeply affected by such regulations, and their interest as consumers very little. The fall in the price of the wool and the hide would not in this case raise the price of the carcass, because the greater part of the lands of the country being applicable to no other purpose but the feeding of cattle, the same number would still continue to be fed. The same quantity of butcher's meat would still come to market. The demand for it would be no greater than before. Its price, therefore, would be the same as before. The whole price of cattle would fall, and along with it both the rent and the profit of all those lands of which cattle was the principal produce, that is, of the greater part of the lands of the country. The perpetual prohibition of the exportation of wool, which is commonly but very falsely ascribed to Edward III, would, in the then circumstances of the country, have been the most destructive regulation which could well have been thought of. It would not only have reduced the actual value of the greater part of the lands in the kingdom, but by reducing the price of the most important species of small cattle, it would have retarded very much its subsequent improvement. The wool of Scotland fell very considerably in its price in consequence of the union with England, by which it was excluded from the great market of Europe and confined to the narrow one of Great Britain. The value of the greater part of the lands in the southern countries of Scotland, which are chiefly a sheep country, would have been very deeply affected by this event had not the rise in the price of butcher's meat fully compensated the fall in the price of wool. As the efficacy of human industry in increasing the quantity either of wool or of raw hides is limited, so far as it depends upon the produce of the country where it is exerted, so it is uncertain so far as it depends upon the produce of other countries. It so far depends not so much upon the quantity which they produce as upon that which they do not manufacture, and upon the restraints which they may or may not think proper to impose upon the exportation of this sort of rude produce. These circumstances, as they are altogether independent of domestic industry, so they necessarily render the efficacy of its efforts more or less uncertain. 
in multiplying this sort of rude produce therefore the efficacy of human industry is not only limited but uncertain in multiplying another very important sort of rude produce the quantity of fish that is brought to market it is likewise both limited and uncertain it is limited by the local situation of the country by the proximity or distance of its different provinces from the sea by the number of its lakes and rivers and by what may be called the fertility or barrenness of those seas lakes and rivers as to this sort of rude produce as population increases as the annual produce of the land and labour of the country grows greater and greater there come to be more buyers of fish and those buyers too have a greater quantity and variety of other goods or what is the same thing the price of a greater quantity and variety of other goods to buy with but it will generally be impossible to supply the great and extended market without employing a quantity of labour greater than in proportion to what had been requisite for supplying the narrow and confined one a market which from requiring only one thousand comes to require annually ten thousand ton of fish can seldom be supplied without employing more than ten times the quantity of labour which had before been sufficient to supply it the fish must generally be sought for at a greater distance larger vessels must be employed and more expensive machinery of every kind made use of the real price of this commodity therefore naturally rises in the progress of improvement it has accordingly done so i believe more or less in every country though the success of a particular day's fishing may be a very uncertain matter yet the local situation of the country being supposed the general efficacy of industry in bringing a certain quantity of fish to market taking the course of a year or of several years together it may perhaps be thought is certain enough and it no doubt is so as it depends more however upon the local situation of the country than upon the state of its wealth and industry as upon this account it may in different countries be the same in very different periods of improvement and very different in the same period its connection with the state of improvement is uncertain and it is of this sort of uncertainty that i am here speaking in increasing the quantity of the different minerals and metals which are drawn from the bowels of the earth that of the more precious ones particularly the efficacy of human industry seems not to be limited but to be altogether uncertain the quantity of the precious metals which is to be found in any country is not limited by anything in its local situation such as the fertility or barrenness of its own mines those metals frequently abound in countries which possess no mines their quantity in every particular country seems to depend upon two different circumstances first upon its power of purchasing upon the state of its industry upon the annual produce of its land and labour in consequence of which it can afford to employ a greater or a smaller quantity of labour and subsistence in bringing or purchasing such superfluities as gold and silver either from its own mines or from those of other countries and secondly upon the fertility or barrenness of the mines which may happen at any particular time to supply the commercial world with those metals the quantity of those metals in the countries most remote from the mines must be more or less affected by this fertility or barrenness on account of the easy and cheap transportation of those metals of their small bulk and great value their quantity in china and Indostan must have been more or less affected by the abundance of the mines of america so far as their quantity in any particular country depends upon the former of those two circumstances the power of purchasing their real price like that of all other luxuries and superfluities is likely to rise with the wealth and improvement of the country and to fall with its poverty and depression 
countries which have a great quantity of labour and subsistence to spare can afford to purchase any particular quantity of those metals at the expense of a greater quantity of labour and subsistence than countries which have less to spare so far as their quantity in any particular country depends upon the latter of those two circumstances the fertility or barrenness of the mines which happen to supply the commercial world their real price the real quantity of labour and subsistence which they will purchase or exchange for will no doubt sink more or less in proportion to the fertility and rise in proportion to the barrenness of those mines the fertility or barrenness of the mines however which may happen at any particular time to supply the commercial world is a circumstance which it is evident may have no sort of connection with the state of industry in a particular country it seems even to have no very necessary connection with that of the world in general as arts and commerce indeed gradually spread themselves over a greater and a greater part of the earth the search for new mines being extended over a wider surface may have somewhat a better chance for being successful than when confined within narrower bounds the discovery of new mines however as the old ones come to be gradually exhausted is a matter of the greatest uncertainty and such as no human skill or industry can ensure all indications it is acknowledged are doubtful and the actual discovery and successful working of a new mine can alone ascertain the reality of its value or even of its existence in this search there seem to be no certain limits either to the possible success or to the possible disappointment of human industry in the course of a century or two it is possible that new mines may be discovered more fertile than any that have ever yet been known and it is just equally possible that the most fertile mine then known may be more barren than any that was wrought before the discovery of the mines of america whether the one or the other of those two events may happen to take place is of very little importance to the real wealth and prosperity of the world to the real value of the annual produce of the land and labour of mankind its nominal value the quantity of gold and silver by which this annual produce could be expressed or represented would no doubt be very different but its real value the real quantity of labour which it could purchase or command would be precisely the same a shilling might in the one case represent no more labour than a penny does at present and a penny in the other might represent as much as a shilling does now but in the one case he who had a shilling in his pocket would be no richer than he who has a penny at present and in the other he who had a penny would be just as rich as he who has a shilling now the cheapness and abundance of gold and silver plate would be the sole advantage which the world could derive from the one event and the dearness and scarcity of those trifling superfluities the only inconveniency it could suffer from the other End of book one, chapter eleven part seven